Let's go ahead and open up a prayer tonight. How many love God's word? Love the presence of the Lord. Awesome, awesome presence here tonight. And at the end here, maybe we can lead everyone in a, a prayer and believe as we go through and anoint you with oil and pray over you, God's going to bring some breakthroughs. But let's pray over the word. So Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for an open heaven and your presence here that is here. But I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit moving upon every one of us that are going to be listening or watching this, whether it's live or, or they're hearing a podcast or a recording or watching it somewhere on YouTube. I thank you for your Holy Spirit moving upon every one of us, even now, to give us good soul of hearts and minds and lives to be um, prepared and ready to receive. As a word, as you speak through me, you're living seeds of truth that are sown into good soil, Water by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit just showering down and watering the seeds of your word in us, and it will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. Lord, I thank you for it. We believe it. We expect it. I thank you for the winds of your spirit carrying this out among the nations. It will go forth and accomplish everything you sent it forth to do, and we thank you for it now in Jesus' mighty name. And so, Lord, as we pray over this time, we expect it now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's dive into this tonight. We're going to look at part three of a series I'm doing on the coming move of God. And in this, we're going to look at the activity of the demonic. And so tonight, as we go through this, I want you to maybe see some things you haven't seen before. And up to this point, I read the Kenneth Hagin prophecy, remember? And he said that there would come a move of God that would bring great deliverance it was a lot to do with the casting out of demons and all of that y'all remember and then last the last sermon we looked at the he talked about healing um, etc there would be a powerful healing revival and he even saw that there would be signs where there would be a literal cloud or fire that would be over some congregations how many would like to see that and so there's some really powerful things that he prophesied become and I believe that Kenneth Hagin was not only a great man of God, but a prophet. And I do believe that uh, from everything I've seen, he's been very accurate. So I suspect that this is right in front of us. And I don't believe that that was fulfilled in the 90s revivals because not all of that was there, especially about the deliverance part. We did not see that emphasized in the 90s revivals. Now, I do know that that did happen, though, some in Argentina. But I believe that his prophecy is to come. Now, let's look at Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 21. It says that they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught there, and they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. In their synagogue there was a man with an unclean spirit. How many can see that there was somebody at church that day that needed a deliverance? Amen. And he cried out, this guy cried out in the middle of church, leave us alone. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. 
And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out in a loud voice, it came out of him. They were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, what is this? What new teaching is this? With authority, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread everywhere throughout the region surrounding Galilee. And I remember we talked about this. We, we talked about how the Old Testament prophets saw healings. They even saw the dead raised. They saw um, an, an aspect of having authority over even the natural forces, etc. But it seemed like the ministry of casting out demons was reserved for the Son of God when he was to come. It was not something you saw pronounced at all in the Old Testament. Even though, as we talked about last week, they obviously did have some kind of a deliverance ministry that was referenced, but it was definitely not something that you saw with the prophets and great, you know, like the judges and different people God used in the Old Covenant. So what are some manifestations of the demonic? Now, this is interesting because there can be manifestations of the Holy Spirit and there can be manifestations of a demonic spirit and we need to discern are y'all hearing me tonight we need to have discernment so the manifestations of the, the the demonic here that we see in this scripture and also some other scriptures was things like this like they fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice also convulsing those seizures and then it says foaming at the mouth in another place they also it says that they cried out and they also tore somebody that means they wounded them and then it references that after deliverance sometimes they would look like a dead person like a corpse so there is these manifestations of the demonic that we don't need to be concerned about, but we do need to understand that they're there. So when they do happen, what we're dealing with, and I know one of, one of the parishioners here was saying maybe talk a little bit about what to do when these things come up. And one of the things I would say, if everybody could really hear me, and please listen to what I'm saying and pay close attention here, is if there is something like that, and let's say, for example, I'm praying for the person. The best thing to do is just all, all of you agree with me as I take authority. And the reason why I say that is because Carlos Anacondia said that he learned a valuable lesson in deliverance. They were trying to get somebody delivered one time, and it was so stubborn. And he was frustrated. And the Lord showed him that the reason why they couldn't get the person delivered was because this person was commanding a spirit and then this person over here commanding and somebody else commanding and there wasn't really unity it was like all these different voices and it was like the demonic was saying well who do I have to listen to and what exactly am I supposed to be doing here and so he said let's stop all that let's all come into one unified voice right now and he commanded it and immediately the thing left now see there can be kind of a jumbled up thing going on sometimes I think in congregations well, it's important that one person, like you read with Jesus, I mean, he's taking authority and the thing leaves, but everybody just agree, okay? So here's some terminology. You're, when you're dealing with demons, you're dealing with persons. Did you realize that? 
And the reason why I'm saying that is because nowadays, here's a new deception for our generation. Now it's become a thing for people that have problems or vices. What do people say? They say, well, they're having to wrestle their demons. Have you ever heard that? And they're talking about bad habits or vices or, or whatever they're dealing with. Um, no, that's a demonic spirit is real and a demonic spirit is a person. I'm not saying it's human because it's not. But it is a person with a personality. And demon spirits speak. Do you remember when Jesus confronted them? And he said in, to Legion, he said, what's your name? And, he, and the thing spoke to him, said, we're, I'm Legion for we're many. And so he was saying that there were several others that were in the person. But it's, these are beings that I talked about possible origins. So you just choose what you want to believe about that. But they're beings that have an intellect. They have emotions. They have a will. And they speak. And they can be very stubborn. And they, they seem to really want to dwell within a human body, which we talked about last week, so I'm not going to keep going into that. But the point is, is that you're not dealing with just bad habits or something. You're dealing with a person, with a personality. Please hear me tonight, because this is important. Is if you're viewing demons as just being vices or something, well, the person is wrestling their demons because they've always had an issue with alcohol. Okay, you're not really going to get delivered from a demonic spirit until you realize that you, you need to confront that being in the name of Jesus. You have to command it to leave. It's not a matter of going to therapy. You can't counsel those things out. It's not a matter of 12-step programs. You can't program the thing out. So see, when people are just thinking they're wrestling their vices or something, they're never, that's why they never get the true victory and they wrestle it the rest of their life because they've got something in their life they need to be cast out, not just therapy. And counseling has its place, but it will be totally ineffective in this realm. There are times that you need to counsel people, but there are other times that you need to get them free from something, okay? So I want to make sure you understand this. You're dealing with a being, and there can be many in people. Just like the Legion, I don't know, we don't know for sure that it meant literally this, but I mean, from what I understand, it could, a Legion in, in a Roman military was like 6,000. So it's possible there could have been thousands of demons in that guy, which little wonder he ran around naked, cutting himself in the, in the graveyard and lived insane. I mean, if there's thousands of demons in somebody, can you imagine how that would make their life totally tormented and drive them insane? So this guy was full of demons, and Jesus cast them out, and of course they went into the pigs. They were so desperate, take notice, that these demons, they're persons. Again, let me emphasize for the people out there that like to get critical, they're not human. I'm not saying they're human. I'm saying that they have a personality. Okay, they're persons. And these beings that were in there, they, they did not want to leave the region. Have you ever paid attention to that? They were territorial. That's interesting. They did not want to leave that region. And they did not want to leave the body that they lived in. They were so desperate for some type of a body to be in that if they couldn't stay there any longer, they were okay with going into a pig, a pig's body. 
as long as they had some type of a body. So, you know, it's really, this is an interesting study, but something that people need to realize is that you're dealing with persons, with personality, not humans, but persons. And so you've got to confront these things and they must obey you in the name of Jesus. If you're a true believer, Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will drive out demons. That's the first thing he said. Then he said that they'll speak in new tongues and we know they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, etc. But the first thing is you have authority. And was it Luke 10, 19, I think? It's not in front of me, but we will trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm us. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And so we have authority over these things. We need to exercise our authority. Remember last week, we use our authority and then the power of the Holy Spirit backs up our authority. But see, here's using your authority. You're not asking God to cast the demon out. You're commanding it to leave. Now, that's a mistake a lot of Christians make about a lot of things. They've never learned to use their authority. You actually have authority. You probably, we all have probably more authority than what we really realize. But you have authority maybe you've never accessed. You have authority to curse sickness and command it to leave. You have authority over demonic forces. You have authority to destroy the works of the evil one. And we need to start using our authority over things. And, and not just asking God to do it. I think a lot of times, it's, I mean, obviously there's things we ask God. But I think there's, there's many times that God is waiting on us to step up and use our authority. And that he'll back that up. All right, so... As I said in the notes here, demons are persons without bodies. They do have knowledge, like in Mark 1, 23 through 24, personalities. They have emotions. Do you remember James said that demons believe and tremble? They have emotions. They have a will, like Mark 5, 11 through 13. They have the ability to speak through a person, like Mark 1, 24, like we saw with Legion and things like that. But these are, these are how certain entities uh, function through witches. Because people go to someone like a fortune teller or whatever, and as they go to these fortune tellers, these psychics, and they're, they're seeking information, listen to what I'm saying. There's people that keep going to these individuals, and you're not going to go somewhere and spend the kind of money that they want you to spend if it's not accurate and working at least at times you understand and so the, these people do have something that they have to offer but it's obviously from a demonic source all right so these demons communicate it's it's called familiars these witches these psychics that get information they're clairvoyant they've learned to commune with these demons they're called familiar spirits and they become familiar with that person, but also they're familiar. For example, the people that come to witches, many times uh, spirits in their lives will communicate to the witches and give them information that they should know. But just be aware that when you're dealing with these people in the occult, that they're getting their information from demons, okay? And any power they have, they're getting it from demons. So the activity of demon spirits... Number one is to tempt people into sin. 
James 1.14. So let's talk about for a moment what, what do demons do when they come into people's lives and they begin to influence their lives. Number one, they're going to tempt people into sin. Okay, number two, they're going to deceive people. Do you remember reading 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 2, and it talks about seducing spirits and doctrines of demons and all that? Demonic spirits are very determined to deceive people. That's why, for example, they've got people believing that in reincarnation because they'll have this person over here that gets an individual in some type of hypnotic state or whatever, and they begin to communicate with something that's talking back to them and all of a sudden whatever's talking to this person is giving them information of some supposed previous life that they lived back 100 or 350 years ago where they were some ancient Dutch princess of the 1500s or something you know give me a break people believe this stuff and so you're sitting there going well there's something talking through this person's voice that knows all about the life of this Dutch princess of the 1500s or whatever. And so you're thinking, well, how is, how is this communication going on? I'll tell you, it's through demonic spirits, and they're deceiving people. In the same way as, as maybe there's something in a house, and it's a, it's a demonic entity, I'm telling you, as I've said so many times, when you and I die, we are not going to haunt a house. I'm telling you, we're not going to do it. You're either going to go to heaven to be with Jesus or hell to be with the devil. There's no in-between. You don't roam the earth. You don't roam cemeteries. You don't scare teenagers. That's not what you do. That's not going to be what happens. So what is it that is in these houses and things that people are seeing? These are demonic spirits. But isn't it interesting that these demons, when they push through uh, the spirit realm enough to appear like an apparition, they always try to appear as a human being as maybe a previous occupant of that house. Why? To deceive the people there. Because what does that tell those people? In their minds, they're thinking that when you die, you dwell in houses. So in other words, you begin to think, well, the Bible must not be true. Do you see what I'm saying? It's very deceptive. And these people, many times that, that get into this ghost hunting business, they have no idea what they're actually doing or they wouldn't be doing it. But they're trying to use technology and different things, but they're communicating with demonic spirits. They even bring in people that are witches to talk to the things or to pick up on it, and they're using the occult to try to mess with it. What they're doing is extremely dangerous. And to be quite honest with you, I would not be surprised at all, at all if some of these people that do that aren't in need of deliverance themselves because of things they've got infested with by messing with things like that. So be careful in the realm of deception that demons operate in because they are very, very deceiving. And so there's a, there is a place scripturally where Jesus asked a demon for its name, but you notice that it ended there. Jesus was not interested in having a conversation is then you start getting into the realm of divination where you're talking to demons too much and getting information from them. You see what I'm saying? So there's, there's short answers that's scriptural, and that's the end of it, okay? 
Another thing that demons do is accuse God's people. Satan himself will go up before God and will try to accuse us to God. But demons operate in the realm of accusation also because they will accuse you to yourself. If you ever make a mistake or they'll bring up your past or whatever, they're constantly trying to make you feel worthless and that you're a failure and that maybe God hasn't forgiven you or that you're not saved or they always, every time you want to do something for God, there's something trying to put thoughts in your mind about some past sin you did years ago. That's in the realm of the accuser. Okay, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Our sins are forgiven. How many knows that God doesn't want us to break out our fishing pole and start going fishing back into the sea of forgetfulness and digging up things that happened 20 years ago? But demons do. They will, they will constantly try to torment people's minds if you let them. So let's believe the word of God that we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the Bible says he casts it into a sea of forgetfulness and that we can move on from it and let it go. So don't let the enemy accuse you to yourself. Also, the enemy will accuse us to each other. Why do you think sometimes, and my wife and I have experienced this, anybody anointed I think has, that for no good reason, there'll be certain people that seem to just all of a sudden start getting a problem with you, and they seem to hate you, and there's no good reason for it. I'll tell you what the reason is. Whatever is in their life hates the Jesus in you. Hello? Hello? And so that thing in their life is accusing you in their mind. Did you see the way they looked at you? Did you see this about them, all these criticisms and negative thoughts and everything against you? I mean, how, are you, how in the world do you deal with that? Because you can't fix somebody else's thought life for them. The Bible says to bring every thought captive. The Bible teaches us to renew our minds. You know, if we're not supposed to be entertaining all these negative thoughts about other people, then how about we just don't do it? I mean, I understand that there can be sometimes some truth to some things that you see and frustrate you, but, but don't dwell on things like that, okay? Forgive people, renew the mind. Also, demons put people into bondage. And I'm sure that most people, in the sound of my voice, at some point in your life have been bound by something. And that's the work of the enemy. The enemy in Romans 8.15, there's a spirit of bondage. And it just wraps people up. That's where addictions come from, all kinds of things that we, you know, for example, vices I was talking about earlier. These type of things are there because of the activity of demonic spirits. And they're, they're works in somebody's life that they need to be delivered. I mean, I, I've heard of people, this is not uncommon, that have some kind of a demonic spirit of bondage, and let's just say alcohol, for example. And there was a guy one time, I was reading this true story about this guy. I wish I could remember who it was. But he had a demon of alcoholism. And he said that this thing, he could sit there and drink an insane amount of alcohol. Insane amount. I don't remember. I remember reading how much he would drink. And you would think under normal circumstances that would kill somebody. I'm talking this guy would drink more than what you're thinking right now. Like, I don't remember the amount, but it was insane. And he wouldn't even be drunk. 
And finally, somebody helped him get delivered from that demonic spirit. And then he totally was liberated. He no longer was in bondage to that thing. And so he never went back to alcohol. I remember a true story about, I believe this was a woman. I'm trying to remember the details. But there was a group of people praying for her. And all of a sudden, somebody felt this because this, this particular person had been so addicted to cigarettes for years. I mean, addicted. And this person said, I command in Jesus' name that spirit associated with those cigarettes and that addiction to come out of you. And that woman, this godly Christian woman that loved the Lord, but she was in bondage. I mean, she really tried to give it up. How many have ever tried to lay something down and it wasn't that easy? The Lord had to set you free. And she really tried, you know. And all of a sudden, she coughed violently, and they said it was like a, a, like a black smoke or something, and it went away, and then she was delivered. And there's countless stories like this of people that were just in torment and bondage to things, which leads me to the next point. The activity of demons is not only to put people in bondage, but to torment people. The torment that makes them restless that they never can truly find peace and rest in certain areas of their lives. It could be even affecting their night's sleep, that there's torment in the night, or it affects their marriage, that they never really have that peace in their home that they want. There's a spirit there that's constantly trying to stir up strife. And so until people recognize you're dealing with a, a being that is a stubborn thing that's there and it, it is determined to keep you tormented and in bondage and hinder what God's plan for your life is until you recognize that thing and command it to be bound in Jesus' name and command it to leave. Don't ask God to remove it. You use your authority over that thing. You trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. You command it to be bound and leave in Jesus' name. Then God will back you up. But God's expecting us to do our job. Also, when somebody has a strong drive towards certain sins, that they just can't shake it. I mean, it could be any number of things. It could be a tendency to hold grudges. It could be a tendency to be very manipulative and controlling. It could be a tendency toward lust. Or it could be other tendencies in their life toward different things, addictions or whatever. But it's like there's a strong drive there. And they try to lay it down. They try to move away from it. They ask God to forgive them. But until, again, this is so important. I keep saying this over and over. Until they recognize that they're dealing with a demonic spirit, a person, a personality, something that's there that's got them in bondage, and they must drive that thing out. If they don't deal with it, they may wrestle that the rest of their life. And it's sad because as a pastor, and I've seen this for all these years I've been in church, you see somebody that sincerely wants to quit something or change, and they come down to the altar and they really weep and they cry out to God and they ask forgiveness. And I believe God forgives them. But then they go out and then they end up struggling with it again. And it's not something they want. It's something that seems to have a grip on their life. How many have seen this? And so the Lord really wants them to be free. All right. But that strong drive, that compulsion towards sin 
could very well be a demonic activity in somebody's life. And of course, they defile people. I don't have time to get into all of this, but if you ever are really interested on our website, fniRevival.com, you can look on the downloads area and there's a deliverance questionnaire. And on that questionnaire, there's a lot on that, a lot of information that talks about signs that there could be demonic activity in somebody's life, signs that there could be a curse. And these things are real and they're there. And we've seen many people delivered from things. Um, so some things as far as activity of demonic spirits and areas of demonic infestation. I may get into some of those things in the future, actually, before I close this out, because I think there's a lot of people that want to know. And I believe these can really help people. Is there a reason why I believe Kenneth Hagin had that prophetic word about casting out demons? I believe he saw the end time revival is because I believe, and he said that in the prophecy, that Satan is, is really turning up the heat and releasing the hordes of hell like never before. And it's a sign of the end times. The enemy knows his time is short. And in our culture, if you go back over 100 years ago, there wasn't hardly any of this even available. How would people really get deeply involved in pornography when there wasn't pornography? How could people get deeply involved in drugs when there wasn't drugs? Do you see what I'm saying? Sexual immorality was not as rampant. And the occult was not in our culture. We're a Judeo-Christian heritage in our nation. And I mean, you had to travel some distance and really search out if you wanted to find some type of a witch or something over 100 years ago. It wasn't. But now it's everywhere. And, and Satan is, is really pushing this stuff. And people don't mean to, but they're dabbling in the occult. They're dabbling in it in different ways through the entertainment industry, etc. They're They're flirting with the occult. And you know what? They're opening themselves up to things. They're messing around with all this sleeping around and sexual immorality the Bible strongly warns against and they're opening themselves up to stuff. They're getting involved in all this illicit uh, drugs and different things and, and it's, it's, it's infesting them with spirits. And so as people come to Jesus in these last days in great revival, you know what they're going to need? They're going to need to be delivered. And I believe that's going to be one of the greatest moves, the greatest aspects of this coming revival is going to be people truly accepting the Lord and repenting of their sins and then God liberating them from the power that the enemy had in their life so that they can live a holy life and not keep struggling. So areas of demonic infestation. Number one is in the realm of the thoughts in your mind. Demonic spirits can be embedded, infested in people's minds, and it will torment their mind with things like doubt, irrational fears. How many people have irrational fears? Phobias of things. They can't sleep in the dark very well. They can't, they have a phobia about drowning or not being able to breathe or just different things. I've seen a lot. I've seen this one person one time, to give an example, there was, you know, she wanted to be water baptized, but she had this irrational fear of water. So we had to deal with that. But it was a, it was a torment. Obviously, it was a spirit. So irrational fears. I mean a stubborn spirit of unbelief. How many of you guys have ever done much witnessing? 
I have. And every once in a while, you run into somebody that is really hard. It could be, you could be dealing with a spirit. Which, by the way, I've done enough street evangelism that when you get out there and you start taking the gospel to people, you start seeing some pretty weird things. How many of you guys have been doing it long enough to see some, something that you thought to yourself, well, that was probably demonic right there? I have. I've seen people, you start talking about Jesus, and it looks like they're starting to manifest. They start getting all jittery and weird. I, I'm sitting there looking, I'm like, you okay, man? You know, and it's a spirit. And I've seen, you know, it, and it's all these different things. We've been on the streets, and it just stirs up stuff with people. See, in these last days, and let me tell you, it's so infesting our culture. How many of you guys remember? Let me give you some examples. How many of you guys remember when they overturned Roe v. Wade, and you heard those people shrieking? I heard it. The people would say, oh, well, no, I heard it. It was on the news. People were shrieking and wailing out there, upset. You know what that was? That was the manifestation of demons that were enraged that that shedding of innocent blood was being done away with. It was manifesting through people. Demonic spirits also, and I'm talking about in the realm of the mind, will cause insanity and mental, mental illnesses. We have seen a lot of people through the years that have been delivered from spirits in their mind. And mental illnesses, learning disabilities, different things began to clear up. Their mental faculties cleared up through deliverance. They had peace of mind. They could think clearly. Some people deal with this mental fog, and it could be a demonic thing. And confusion. All of these can be spiritual uh, spirits, rather, in the mind. The second place demons can infest is the emotions. Some people's attitudes reflect demonic activity in their emotions. And I believe with all my heart, rebellion, a spirit of rebellion. Have you ever seen... You dump water outside on the ground somewhere, and you see, what does water do? It starts trickling down to the lowest place, and then it stops there. But it finds that. I believe when you're dealing with rebellion, a spirit of rebellion, somehow it seeps down into the attitude, and it settles there in people. You ever notice that? Rebellion will manifest more in their attitude than any other place. And as soon as you try to deal with it, what happens? They get an attitude. <laughs> Remember that. Oh, man. And then also, it, emotions, you deal with, again, fear in, a, in an emotional realm. Not just mentally, but literally in their chest. Panic attacks. Difficulties breathing. That their, their emotions, their chest area is affected by fear. Also, in the emotions, you can deal with a resentment, a hatred. You can deal with bitterness. You can deal with sorrow. People that have been through something severe, a trauma, and there's like a spirit there that attached itself through trauma, and they've never been able to get over it. I may have known somebody that suffered loss, but it was years ago, 
And you talk to them and they keep bringing up something like it just happened the other day. And you're, you want to tell them in the most gentle, loving way, but you want to tell them, man, you need to move on. Okay? But there could be a spirit there that's preventing them from moving on that's causing a torment in their emotions that they feel like they keep reliving it. That's a torment. Also, it affects relationships because if you're dealing with great strife and these demonic beings can, can really try to set up in relationships and cause a lot of disordered division and strife. Then we deal with the mouth. Demonic spirits very much can be at work in people's mouth. And so you see things like this. In the Bible, it talks about a lying spirit. Not everybody that lies has a spirit of lying, but I'm going to tell you, I've known a couple people that I'm convinced that they had a demon of lying. They, they would lie when the truth sounded a lot better. And you're sitting there, you're sitting there listening to them go on. You ever had this? You're sitting there listening to them go on, and you're thinking to yourself, in your mind, their mouth is still flapping. But in your mind, you're thinking, you actually believe this? And you think, I'm going to believe this? It's a spirit of lying. I mean, they just ramble on with their lies and more lies. There can be a spirit of lying. There can be an evil spirit of, of like unclean talk, sexual perverted talk or a strong profanity. Also, slander. I mean, have known people that are given to gossip and slander. And finally, blasphemy. When you get into somebody that struggles being really blasphemous with their tongue, they usually have a spirit. Another area. <laughs> about to go where angels fear to tread, right? Talk about sex in church. But sex, the sexual... But seriously, people have sexual bondages. And until they're delivered from it, they struggle with it. But there can be demonic spirits that cause perversions. Like, for example, unnatural sexual desires. That just Do, do I need to get more detailed here? Okay, unnatural sexual desires toward things that, that shouldn't be there. That's usually a demonic spirit. Uh, masturbation, lust, strong lust, uh, looking with lust. These type of things can be demonic spirits that need to be cast out of somebody's life. Granted, some of this is the flesh. Some of this is just them needing to repent. But if they have repented and they've confessed and they've really made an effort to change, and they still feel like there's something in their life that they just cannot get over it, they're really trying, it could be a demon that they need to get delivered from. Also, in the nighttime, as I mentioned, where people are dealing with nightmares, they're dealing with insomnia, they're dealing with sexual attacks in the night, there might be something in their life or in their home that needs to be cast out. Man, I've gone some places and slept where there was obviously something there that wasn't of God. <laughs> but you can pray over your room. How many goes to hotel rooms and prays over your hotel room? Man, I do. There is no telling what has happened in that room for you got there. 
I pray over that thing, and the presence of God comes. But see, you cleanse it and get rid of anything. And there's a few times, I mean, I've stayed in a lot of hotels, but there's once or twice I can remember I felt that something left. And I'm glad I prayed for I went to sleep there. Amen. Let me give you an example of that, a true story. I was preaching. It was actually back when I was working a whole lot under Steve Hill's ministry as far as not on staff, but I was sent out to minister um, for him in the east and I was going back and I was still preaching there in his ministry some and I was working primarily with the street evangelism and with the young adults and the and the worship team I helped brother Steve for a couple years on the worship team and um, anyway so I'm not gonna rabbit trail but let me stay on track when I was preaching one night and I was ministering a little bit along these lines for whatever reason God had me do that, and there was a young lady that came up to me later, and I had prayed for people. God was really touching people. When you minister along these lines and you, you pray for people, sometimes you see some crazy stuff that people getting delivered, and uh, one girl, she ended up marrying a preacher and doing really well, but I remember she, had, she got saved under the ministry there, and she was like, Brother Scott, I, when you were praying for me, I felt like punching you in the gut. <laughs> so I'm glad you didn't. This is a girl. You know, what am I saying? <laughs> I'm not, I can't even defend myself. Right? But anyways, <laughs> anyway, so, um, but she got delivered. Something left her. And she was different. After, she had, a, you know what it was? It was something about anger. It was a spirit of anger. But she got delivered and then married a minister there and went into ministry. But that's a rabbit trail. I shouldn't have gone on back to the original story. So I preached on this. And y'all pray for me. Anyway, I preached on this. And there was a girl that came up to me afterward. And after I prayed for her, and she said, um, she said, listen, Scott, I need to talk to you. And she was ashamed of this and didn't want anybody hearing. As You know, isn't that sad? But that's the way a lot of people feel. As I've ministered a lot over the years, and a lot of people are not comfortable talking about things. And they... Even in their church, they don't feel like they can get help there. There's people who just think they're weird, you know, and so they, they don't talk about it. And then somebody like me comes along and talks about things pretty comfortably from the pulpit, and they're like, I need to go talk to this guy in private. Well, she was one of those. And she was a young lady. I mean, I think she was college age, young tw early 20s maybe. And she said, here's my situation. She said, I moved into this apartment. Because I had preached along these lines. So now she was connecting the dots. She said, I moved in this apartment. And she said, never in my life have I ever had any type of like lesbian type of desires or tendencies at all. But she says, since I've been in this apartment and I go to sleep at night, she says, I'm tormented with these thoughts, these perverted thoughts. Uh, lesbian thoughts and she said this is not something that I've ever dealt with but she said the reason why I'm talking to you is because of this reason she said after you preach tonight she said I realized that maybe what I'm dealing with she said the occupants before I moved into this apartment were two lesbians and she said they moved out and I moved right in and she said I, I I don't, I don't know if she just got saved, but obviously she hadn't cleansed the apartment. But she said, now I realize there must be some type of a spirit in that apartment that's messing with me, putting these thoughts in my mind that I've never had, 
trying to impress desires on, upon me that I've never had before. And I told her what to do. You know, I didn't follow up because I left and she was a part of that church. But I told her what to do. I told her to go through and pray over the apartment and anointing, command those things to leave and in Jesus' name, etc. But you need to pray over property because there can be things there. If you're not the original occupant, I know there was a, somebody that used to come here years ago and him and his wife moved uh, down the road here and he was telling me he said since we moved in he said man I've had a hard time sleeping I've had a, just a difficult time with things and I remember telling him because I mean I've preached on this stuff before I remember telling him I said well haven't you prayed over your house yet he said well no I haven't got around to it I said well you know that'd be the th first thing I would do and then let's go from there so I gave him a printout uh, we have, again, on our website, you can go to Downloads, and there's Cleansing Land and Homes. It's just something my wife and I compiled to help people out. And so I said, look, here's the paper. Just follow it. And so the paper leads you through where you walk through your house and pray over rooms, etc. And you end up at the very end in the backyard area where you can, if you want to, take communion. And you can pour out some of the juice on the land and apply the blood of Jesus to the land if that's what you feel led to do. And he said this, he said, Pastor, as soon as my wife and I took communion and we did that, he said, as soon as that juice hit the ground and we applied the blood over that property, he said, I felt the power of God hit us. And he said, I felt darkness just leave that property. And he said, ever since then, he said, I have been sleeping good. It's been peaceful. But see, that's a, it was an old house that several occupants i'm sure there before they ever got there what all has happened there but see you need to pray over places finally the activity of demonic spirits addictions as i've talked about you know we talk about substance abuse but what about addictions to things like this what about addictions to food Do you know some people deal with that it's usually connected to rejection or uh, something where they feel lonely or they, they feel isolated or something. But regardless, some people cope with their problems with food and it can become like an addiction. Also, uh, entertainment can definitely become an addiction. There are some people that get addicted to television. They get addicted to video games, for example. In fact, Sid Roth just had a guy that Stephen gave me this video. I'm trying to remember the details. But anyway, I watched this little clip that he sent me. And the guy was saying that he was praying for people. And there was this young person there. And this young person fell on the ground, full-on manifested a demon. And the guy's like, man, what in the world? Cast the thing out of the kid. And he asked the kid, he's like, how did you get this in your life? And the kid knew. He said, I got obs totally obsessed with this video game and really got into it too much, and I felt something enter me. So you, you can be addicted to a lot of different things. Nothing wrong with playing a clean video game. But if somebody gets addicted to them, they can open themselves up to infestations, you see. Also, just something to be aware of as parents and grandparents that the enemy has really put a lot of things in 
video games and, and movies now that weren't years ago. There's a lot to do with witchcraft and the occult. There's a lot of sexual stuff now that are targeting children and they're doing it on purpose. Because they know that if they can get a hook in, their, in a kid, that they can draw them in and then it can affect the rest of their life. But really, a lot of it's about their money. You see, if they can get, for example, a pornographic site or whatever, may give somebody something for free because they know that if they can hook them, then they're going to make a lot of money out of them from that point on because now they're addicted to it. Just like the drug dealer down the road may give somebody some free drugs because he knows that once he's got them, he's got a customer for the next however many years and he's going to make a lot of money off that person. So they're targeting kids on purpose. So just be aware of it and be selective. Teach your kids. That was the thing I think my wife spoke the other day at a church. And God's really opened some doors and places that are not spirit-filled whatsoever. This, in fact, this church is wonderful people. But officially, they're like cessationists. They don't, they don't believe in the gifts today. Yet they have my wife come speak. <laughs> Probably the most Pentecostal woman. <laughs> anyway, but she's in there talking about this stuff. And they're, they're totally fascinated, thankful she came, bought the book, you know. It was a blessing to them. Amen. They're still God's people and God loves them. But it's open doors, places that you wouldn't think sometimes, you know. But anyway, lost track again. Let's just keep going. But I was talking about, <laughs> talk about addictions. But anyway, so finally, last couple things. Physical infirmities. This is a big one. Now, Jesus dealt with this. Remember, we talked about this the last two sermons. Jesus' healing ministry and deliverance ministry seem like they blended sometimes. I mean, there were times that it was just full-on cast the demon out. And then there were other times that somebody was just simply healed, like the woman with the issue of blood. There was no record of her having a demon or anything. She just needed a physical healing from all that we could see. But there were times that somebody was healed because they were delivered. So you have to discern these things. As I was talking about earlier, about discerning the manifestation of the Holy Spirit versus a demonic spirit. See, some places live in fear, and because they don't want anything of the devil, they throw out anything supernatural altogether. And so they throw out anything to do with the Holy Spirit either, because the Holy Spirit's supernatural. That's the biggest mistake you can possibly make right there. Does everybody understand what I mean? As the Holy Spirit comes through and moves, yeah, there's going to be some people fall down sometimes. There's going to be people speak in tongues or maybe laugh or cry or shake or whatever. I've seen it all. But that's the activity of the Holy Spirit. But then there's also manifestations of demon spirits. And they also may cause somebody to fall or convulse or cry out or something. You have to discern the spirits. Is this of God or is it of the devil? And deal with it accordingly. The same thing with physical infirmities. It may just be a sickness. But it also could be demonic. And there are times that people have been healed. My wife and I prayed for. Because they were delivered from a spirit that was causing it. Okay. So physical infirmities can be demonic. It's not always. But I know sometimes if it's really stubborn. Or if it's something that's incurable. 
or it's something that whenever God's moving in your life or you're going to church, it really flares up, that could be a demon. Or something that moves around, like it's bothering one thing and that moves around and starts bothering something else, that could be a demon. So deal with it. If, if, if you're trying to get the victory over it, you've got to recognize what it is. If it's not demonic, then it's not. But if it is, you better deal with it as such or you may deal with it the rest of your life until you do. Also, another thing that can be demonic is anything to do with suicide or premature death. I promise you that's going to be demonic. If you're dealing with somebody that cuts or you're dealing with somebody that's real depressed or they're suicidal, they have a death wish, you're dealing probably with a demon spirit, okay? So I remember just recently I had to return something and I went to this store and there was this young lady there still wearing a COVID mask. What's that about? God bless her. Anyway, she's there and I noticed though as she's taking what I was returning and doing her thing, I noticed it was really sad, but I noticed there was all these marks up her whole arm, scars where she had cut herself. It's sad. But I also noticed I could tell, there's people all, I mean, what are you going to do in a store like that? But there's, I could tell that there was probably a spirit of suicide or something there, you know. She needs Jesus. She needs a breakthrough. So pray for people and be patient with people. There's going to be a lot of people about to get saved. I believe this with all my heart. I believe there's a major revival about to happen, and there's going to be a huge harvest of souls. But in that harvest, in these last days, people have been messing around with things that have opened them up to demonic activity. And they are going to need to be delivered. I believe with all my heart, I could be wrong, this is just my opinion, but I believe Kenneth Hagin's prophecy I believe he made it in 1983. I believe he saw the last revival before Jesus comes. And he saw by the Spirit the hordes of hell being released in the last days. And I believe that he was prophesying into the future. And he was basically saying this. You're going to see a major revival. The likes of which the world's never seen. It's going to usher in the coming of Jesus. And you're going to see a huge harvest of souls but there's going to be an emphasis on casting out demons because people are going to be so infested with them that are getting saved. And they're going to need help because there's nothing worse than somebody that really wants to live for Jesus, but they're tormented. And they can't shake it, man. They have tormenting thoughts. They have tormenting emotions. They have struggles of besetting sin that they absolutely feel like they've done everything they know to do. And they just can't shake that thing. How many knows Jesus has come to set the captives free? And so be ready for it. That's one of the reasons as well. I'm going to pray tonight. That's one of the reasons I gave you guys some of the teaching that I did in River of Life. I wanted you not just to hear this from me, but I wanted you to hear this from another source. And I want you to make sure that you listen to all those all the way through because there's one sermon where they begin to pray for people publicly and you can hear the deliverance through the crowd. It's very powerful. I want you to hear that because I believe it's coming. 
How many of you guys are ready to start seeing people set free like never before? I mean, just major breakthroughs. It's coming. All right, so here's what I want to do. I want to lead you in a prayer. Those that are live with us or those that are um, going to be listening to this or watching this at a later time, it really doesn't matter. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. So my wife and I, sometimes people have come to us that need deliverance, and I'll have them fill out this thing, a questionnaire, and then we pray with them. But you know what we're doing? I'm going to do with you very similar to what we do with them. We just lead them in a prayer. And as they sincerely pray, they're canceling all Satan's legal rights. And the blood of Jesus comes in and washes away whatever legal ground was there. And there's liberty. Amen. Isn't that awesome? How many of you guys have been through that with my wife and I? Some of y'all have and you got set free from some things. Okay, so there's going to be some freedom. But I want y'all just to repeat this and just you really need to mean it. Okay, here's the thing. So I want you to pray this. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins and raised from the dead. I put my faith in you. And I thank you that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. So I call upon you, Jesus. Bring deliverance. And I thank you that the blood you shed has justified me, sanctified me. I am forgiven from all my sin, cleansed from all unrighteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus by the power of your blood. I am of the seed of Abraham. And the oath and blessings that were given to Abraham are my inheritance. So I stand before you today and I ask forgiveness for all of the sins, all the transgressions, all the iniquity that's been in my life and my family ancestry. All of the idols the altars, the covenants, the dedications to other gods and religions. I repent. I renounce these things. I confess it as sin. I turn my back on it. Every ungodly ceremony or satanic ritual, I renounce it now. In Jesus' name, that the blood of Jesus cancels these things. And any sexual immorality, any sexual perversion, any unfaithfulness, broken vows, broken covenants, I confess a sin in my life and my family. I renounce them now. All the lying, all the blasphemy, anything that's come out of my mouth that hasn't pleased you, I ask forgiveness. Any bloodshed or violence that's been in my family, I confess it as sin.
I renounce Satan, his kingdom, his works. I am divorced from Satan's kingdom, and I belong to you, Jesus. I am yours and yours alone. My life is yours, and therefore, I command every evil spirit to leave every area of my mind, my heart, my emotions, my physical health, my life sexually, my relationships, any area of my life, you will go now in the name of Jesus. Leave my physical body, spirits of infirmity, every satanic spirit, you must go now in Jesus' name and never return. And I thank you, Jesus, that your angels encamp around me because I fear the Lord to deliver me. I thank you for deliverance in Jesus' mighty name. All right, amen. Something is beginning. So I want us to go ahead. We're going to pray for people. And I'm going to anoint you with oil, and we're just going to agree together. I believe we've entered into a season of like a finishing work. If there's anything that people's been dealing with, I'm telling you, God's wanting to just go ahead and clear that out. Again, this may all happen tonight for somebody. It may be over the next couple of weeks, next couple of months. But I believe something has begun to, that God's going to deliver and finish this in us. Whoever needs a breakthrough. If there's been stubborn things, all right, just put on some worship back there, and we need to move these chairs. And